Welcome to everyone here at our Noonan campus, everyone in LaGrange. I'm so glad you're joining us today. And if you're watching online on Facebook Live, I'm excited about today. I believe God has something amazing in store, and I'm ready to jump into it. But I first want to ask you a question. As a kid, I bet you were asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? So everybody think in your mind, what was your answer? When you were five, six, seven years old, what was your answer to what you want to be when you grow up? Now by a show of hands here in Noonan and in LaGrange as well, how many of you are actually doing what you said you were going to do when you were five, six, or seven? There's actually some hands raised right now. I'm pretty impressed. How many of you are laughing at your younger self right now? When I was seven years old, I thought I was going to be in the NBA. What? Why are y'all laughing? Someone just said dream big. Thanks for that. I appreciate that. I polled some of our younger staff kids this week, and I asked them what they wanted to be when they grew up, and here's what they said. We had multiple say a police officer, veterinarian, a builder, a magician, and then my daughter said a mommy and Princess Elena. Now, if you have little kids, you know who I'm talking about when I say Princess Elena. Uh, we, Lauren and myself and the girls, we actually got to go down to Orlando uh, three weeks ago. And my grandmother lives down there. We went down there to visit her. Oh, it was an absolute blast. She's one of the most godly people I know. And while we were down there, uh, I have a cousin who worked for Disney for 44 years. And she's always told us, anytime you want to go to Disney, just let me know. And it's like, okay, that's pretty awesome. So we called her up and said, hey, we're coming down to Orlando for a week. Um, you know, if you got the time, we'd love for you to take us to Disney. Can I say this? Disney is really the most magical place on earth when it's free. Oh my goodness. Like, wow, the magic meter just jumps way up there. When you don't have to worry, like when you don't have to worry about paying, you're like, sure, ride the teacups as many times as you want. And it was an absolute blast. We actually got to see Princess Elena, and it was so much fun. But one thing, a crazy thing that sticks out in my mind from this trip a few weeks ago is uh, we had gone to a different park, and we had to catch a bus to get back to our car. So we're waiting in line for the bus, and this couple walks up. And they're from the Netherlands. They start talking to us. They introduce themselves to us. And we start asking a bunch of questions. Lauren and I, we love to learn about different cultures and things like that. And so we start asking them. And Lauren's asking about food and all these different things. They're talking about it. And we start learning that they think a lot differently than us. And so then we hop on the bus. We're riding back to the other park. And we're like, well, how long have you been in Florida? They're like, we've been here four weeks. I was like, wow, four weeks? What do you do? And they're like, oh, well, we get six weeks of vacation. And I was like, six weeks of vacation? They're like, yeah, that's what we start with. And, and this is something I got out of this conversation. That they probably look at our American dream that we've kind of been taught to have, and they laugh at it. They look at some of the things that, as Americans, that we strive for and we push for, and they think totally different. And this really got me thinking on what are we focused on? Are we focused on a human plan? Or are we focused on God's plan in our life. Today we're going to be looking at what God is genuinely calling us to, what he's truly calling each and every one of us to. You see, the first and greatest calling in our life is the calling to Christ. My prayer is that today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're sitting here in this room, whether you're watching in LaGrange or online, the Lord is calling you unto himself. 
That is the greatest calling. The, the voice of God is speaking to you in this moment. And then we also have individual callings, which is the purpose God has given us to fulfill in our life. You see, as Christians, we've got to understand this, we are made to glorify God, to serve Him, to embody the Great Commission, to go and make disciples, to go into the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching people to obey. We are made to do that. And today, we're, what we're going to be talking about is how God wants each of us to live as these followers of Christ through our individual gifts and talents and calling that he has placed in every single one of our lives. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4.1, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He's speaking to every single one of us in this. The message version says it this way, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. That really speaks to us right there in that moment, doesn't it? Now the thing is, I know this word calling seems to sometimes only get thrown out when people think about the church. They're talking about someone on church staff, but we are all truly called by God and capable of achieving the calling he has on his life through his power and our surrender. This comes with the relationship we have with Jesus. Let me state it this way, and this, this might really be challenging. If our goal in life is to work until we're 55 make as much money as we can and have a nice boat and retire, then we're missing out on the fullness of God and what he has planned for our life. Not that those things are bad, but God has something so much more for you right now. Whether you're a teenager in this room, whether you're at this stage of life where you're thinking about retirement, God is still calling you to a purpose and to a plan in your life. You see, ministry is not just done in the church or by church staff. God designed all of us to be ministers of his gospel and his love in your workplace, in your relationships, wherever you are positioned right now in life. You see, this is important. This is incredibly important for us to know because God is calling you. God wants to use you in your job, in your skill set, in your gifts, in your talents, in the dream that God has placed in your life. God has maybe put you in your job for a reason. You see, making money is not a bad thing, but that's not the only thing. God has put you in certain relationships for a reason. Are you seeing an eternal purpose in what you're doing? You see, on the other hand, God also may be calling you away from your job for a reason. God may be placing a different dream in your life that right now you're asking God, am I going to do that? Do I have the faith to do that? Or am I scared in this moment? Individually, God is speaking to us in these ways. But wherever you're at right now, this verse really applies to you. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, Work heartily is for the Lord and not for men. So I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Where you're at, you may be a student in this room. 
You may be a salesman. You may be a teacher. You may be a pilot. How do you apply this verse to your life that, God, whatever I do, I'm going to work heartily is for you. As if I'm working for the Lord. You see, this is the beginning of the understanding of the calling God places on our life. Because I know you may be thinking, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a nurse, I'm a waitress. How am I supposed to do that? John Mark Comer says it this way. It's easy to forget that Jesus was a builder or a carpenter. Actually, the word used in Greek is nekton. And it just means worker. And if working an ordinary, non-glamorous, secular job wasn't beneath the embodiment of the creator himself, why would it be below us? You may need to hear this today, that you can glorify and honor God with your gifts, with your talents, with your passions, where God has you. You see, God made us all different, different skill sets. That we play a much needed role in the world he created so that we can represent him and fulfill his plan in our life. You may be a teacher, a nurse, a pilot, a waitress, whatever it may be. But if you've accepted Jesus as your savior, you're a Christian. And what we have to challenge ourselves with today is that when our life is centered around Christ, that's when we'll truly understand how to work as unto the Lord. We can't divide our lives. We can't be a coach, a salesman, a doctor for a portion of our day and separate and then later be a Christian. God is calling us to live this life in a way that glorifies and honors him. So how are you doing that? That's the question we're going to be asking today. How has God specifically gifted you and called you to serve him in your job? To serve him in your talents and your gifts and your abilities? And I want you to ask yourself, am I seeking to make an impact for Christ where he has me? What's your answer to that? Really process that right now. Am I seeking to make an impact for Christ where he has me? In my job, in my relationship. This topic has been heavy on my heart for a few weeks now. I've actually had many one-on-one -on -one conversations, literally over the past few weeks, where I've had people come up and talk to me and say, I know God wants to use me in my job, but I just don't know how. I've had this conversation with somebody. I know God is calling me to something else. He's placed a different dream in my heart, but I'm scared. How do we address these things in our life? Today we're going to be learning from the life of a man named Gideon. We find the story in the Old Testament book of Judges, and one commentary calls these chapters the calling of Gideon. Chapters 6, 7, and 8 of Judges tell us of a man who really struggles at times, but commits to the calling that the Lord has on his life, and he sees miracles happen. I want to see miracles happen in our lives. I want to see miracles happen in our church. And as we focus, we're going to be looking at chapters 6 and 7. We're going to be learning about how Gideon's calling changed him. It challenged him. And I believe that's what it's going to do for us today. I do believe that these two chapters of 6 and 7 are broken up into three very important parts. Accepting your calling. 
addressing sin, and acting on faith. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are the Son of God, our Messiah, our Lord, and I thank you, God, that when you created us, you created us, and you made us to glorify and honor you. And then, God, individually, you have given us gifts and talents that we get to use to fulfill the calling you've placed on our lives. God, I pray every single one of us would hear your voice today. God, I don't want my words to be heard. I want your words to be heard. Lord, may we walk out of here empowered by your spirit and by your love. So in your name we pray. Amen. So the first thing is accept Accepting the calling of God. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Judges chapter 6. If not, these verses will be on the screen. As you turn there, let me give you a little bit of a backstory on where we find the Israelites. It says the Israelites have once again sinned in the eyes of the Lord. They have completely disobeyed. They've turned their back on God. And because of their disobedience, the Midianites have come in and taken them over. The Midianites are a ruthless people. They come in and they just, they kill all the livestock. They destroy all their crops. And they just completely take them over to where Israelite, the Israelites are feeling helpless. The Bible even describes, it says, the Midianites were like a swarm of locusts. That their army was so vast it seemingly couldn't be counted. That the camels were more than the sand on the seashore. The, the Bible's very vivid in that. We're actually going to learn why here in a minute. So let's read verses 11 through 16, starting in chapter 6. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of Orpha that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing the wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midianites. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alone. I think in verse 11, we immediately learn something that might challenge many of you here today. It says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down on the oak of Orpha that belonged to Joash the Abizrite when his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Did you catch that? Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. What was he doing here? You're not supposed to be threshing wheat in a wine press. But it says because he was afraid of the Midianites, that is why he was in this moment. Gideon was in the wrong place. God was about to take Gideon from the wrong place to the right place. And while some of you, I believe, are going to be challenged today to serve the Lord well where you're at, I believe some of you are going to be challenged today to move from the wrong place to the right place. That you know God is calling you to take the step of faith. To move in your life, even though sometimes it's hard, even though you're afraid, like Gideon. You see, Gideon had let his circumstances and fear dictate his position and attitude. 
when God was calling him out of fear and into his power? Are you living in fear right now? Or are you pursuing what God has for you in your life? You see, listen, don't let a human convince you of your calling. Don't let fear convince you of your calling. Don't let a lack of faith convince you of your calling. God gives you your calling. He commissions your calling, and God completes your calling. You see, we should never view the call of God in our life as optional. You know, it's actually a command. It's not like that phone call you get from that one relative that you're like, ah, do I silence this or decline it? I mean, what do I do with this right now? Listen, this is the almighty God that says, I am putting an eternal purpose on your life. I want you to go out and lead this life to the fullest. This is what I created you for. Verse 12, I believe, plays a powerful part in the story. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God loves names. God's very specific. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know what Gideon probably thought in this moment? You talking to me? What? There's somebody else around? <laughs> you, you got the wrong guy. Mighty warrior, do you not see me? I'm here trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. I'm afraid the, the Midianites are going to come steal this from me. Because look at how Gideon describes himself in verse 15 as the weakest, as the least. Gideon saw himself for his circumstances, but God saw Gideon for his calling. Please hear that today. Your calling is not found in your position. Your calling is found in the power of God. Too many times we look at our position in life and say, oh, I can't do anything. Look at where I'm at. When God's saying, you can do anything through me, you're living with the power of Jesus inside your veins. You can do this. You see, the world may call you weak. People in your life may call you pathetic. They may call you a disaster. They may call you a lost cause or too far gone. But God is calling you mighty warrior. He's calling you child. He's calling you beloved. The Lord is speaking truth into your life. And the reason God called Gideon mighty warrior is because God could see the beginning, the middle, and the end of his calling. Listen to what the Lord is calling you. Don't let the world call you by your past when God is calling you by your future. Amen. You see, Gideon named himself weak and least, but God saw his purpose even through his past. And let me say this. Don't let what has happened to you keep you from what God has for you. And then I want to flip it around and say it this way. Because I, I think many of us might be in this spot today. Don't let what could happen to you keep you from what God has for you. Do you think Gideon in this moment when, when God said, Gideon, I want you to go out and I want you to defeat this, this army, the Midianites, you're going to deliver Israel. Do you not think all these thoughts went through Gideon's minds? I could be killed. What are you talking about, God? Have you seen their army? Don't let what could happen to you keep you from what God has for you. Have you ever tried to talk God out of something? God, I know better for my life. 
No. Look, God is not, not waiting to be satisfied with our performance to initiate our calling. God's waiting for our surrender. Gideon was in the middle of working when God called him. We can look back through many other examples in the word of God. King David was, was a shepherd. The dirtiest, the nastiest of occupations, and God called him. Look back at Mary. She was a teenager. We first must answer the call of God in what looks like the ordinary to see the extraordinary happen. You may feel like you are in a very ordinary spot in life, but God is ready to do the extraordinary. You see, Gideon tried to use human reasoning on God to offer up excuses. Have you ever tried to do that with God? Lord, here's my human reasoning to try to explain your all-powerful mind. No. Listen, God first wanted, wanted Gideon's availability before his ability. Are you available to God right now? Are you available to pursue what the Lord is telling you to do? Or are you saying, God, I don't have the ability to do it. God, that's just too big for me. What's going to happen here when God's saying, I just want your availability, I want your surrender in this moment? You see, I love that the Bible uses people that we can really relate to, right? I mean, I look at Gideon. He wasn't already this mighty warrior. He wasn't already this general or this great leader. He was hiding when God called him. Look, God changed everything in a moment for Gideon. What if right now God changes everything in a moment for you? So we must accept the calling of God in our life. The second thing we learn from Gideon is the importance of addressing sin in our life. Let's look again at Judges 6, 25 through 34. So follow along in your Bible with me where these will be on the screen as well. That same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height, using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built one. They asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring your son, he must die, because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal is really a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So Gideon broke down. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jeroboam. That means the saying, let Baal contend with him. Now all the uh, Midianites and Amalekites and other eastern peoples joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Listen, what we learn here, we cannot miss this. Our calling starts with obedience. Our calling starts with obedience. Before Gideon could see God do the extraordinary in his life, he had to do the necessary. 
And that was getting rid of the sin in his life. It's easy to want to jump to the promise without dealing with the problem sometimes, right? Gideon had just heard this incredible promise from God. You are going to deliver my people from this vast army. Hey, but before you do that, you've got to do what's necessary. You have to address the sin in your life. The enemy and the sin he tempts us with will do anything to defer us and confuse us in our calling from the Lord. Did you have that friend growing up? Maybe you were this person. Did you have that friend growing up that tried to date two people at the same time? They'd be on the phone with one of them while the other one's on hold? Listen, we can't be talking to the sin in our life while trying to keep our calling on hold. We have to get rid of the sin and address it and remove it in our life. Look at what Ephesians 4, 21 through 24 says. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What if today... You let your spirit, let the spirit of God renew your thoughts, renew your attitudes about how you work at your job, about how you are in relationship. What if you went into those things with a renewed thought process? You see, sin is trying to convince us of a corrupt calling, as those verses would describe it. we got to get rid of the sin in our life so we can pursue God. Another verse that sticks out to me is where Gideon is called by yet another name. So we've seen him called by Gideon, mighty warrior, and now he's called by Jerob Baal. What Jerob Baal means, as we saw in those verses, is let Baal contend with him. He got this name because he tore down the sin in his life, the altar to false gods. And you know what? This would actually be a compliment to Gideon. Because anyone who instantly heard someone call him by Jeroboam would knew he did the right thing. I said a minute ago, don't let people call you by your past. I now want to ask you, what do people call you because of your obedience to the Lord? Do they call you brave? Do they call you fearless? Do they call you loving? See, once Gideon was obedient to address the sin in his life, look what verse 34 says. This is so important. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. The New Living Translation says it like this. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon in power. I want to be clothed in the power of God. You may be thinking right now, Lord, I know what you've called me to, but I don't know if I can do this. Are you clothed in the power of God right now? Are you willing to accept your calling and address sin? And clothe yourself in the righteousness and the goodness and the power of our living God. You see, God will equip and qualify you when you are obedient to his calling. We have to address that sin in our life. And the third thing we learn is we must act in faith. Let me paraphrase a lot of chapter 7 for us. I want to encourage you to go back and read this because it's such a cool story. But we find Gideon has 32,000 soldiers. 32,000. God comes to Gideon and says, hey, you have too many soldiers. If I was Gideon, I'd be like, wait, what? 
too many? I'm hearing the rumor that this Midianite army is as vast as locusts. 32,000 doesn't seem like a lot, Lord. And God says, no, 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 you got too many. Because I don't want y'all to think that you did it in your power. This is only done in the power of God. So tell any of them who fear. If you fear, go home. So Gideon goes, he's like, I hope a lot of people don't go home. Hey, guys, I got an announcement to make. Who's afraid? The Lord said you can go home. 22,000 leave. He's down to 10,000 of these guys. He's like, oh, Lord, I don't know, 10,000. God goes, nope, still too many. Still too many, what? Take them down to the water. Whoever drinks the water like a dog, you keep those people. Lord, let it be 9,999. Lord, let it be 9,999. 300? 300? This is what Gideon was left with, was 300 soldiers in that battle. Then God, that night, wakes Gideon up. says, Gideon, are you afraid? Yep. Okay, sneak down to the enemy camp, and I'm going to encourage you. Gideon sneaks down, enemy camp, probably being really, really quiet. Sneaks down, tells us he sees an army as vast as locusts yet again. Thanks for the encouragement, God. Look at all these people. Can't even see all of them. And it says that he, he hears some of the Midianites talking. I had this dream. This man named Gideon came and destroyed us. Gideon goes back, says, everybody, get up. Get up. It's time to attack. Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, what are we going to attack with? Here's a jar, here's a torch, and here's a trumpet. Let's go. I said, let's go. <laughs> really? A jar? A torch and a trumpet? This is what they're sending the battle with? But we see God do a miracle in that moment. He says, when you see me smash the jar, and I'm going to hold up a torch, I'm going to blow the trumpet, we're going to yell for the Lord and for Gideon. And in that moment when they did that, the Lord showed his power and sent the entire enemy army into confusion, and they attacked themselves. Look at what our God can do. Sounds a whole lot better than the movie 300, doesn't it? Let's go back to the beginning of this. What was Gideon thinking in that moment? What were the soldiers thinking in this moment when they get narrowed down to 300? This is crazy. What are you talking about? Listen, all I know is I want faith in my life to do the crazy that God calls me to. I want that type of faith. Where God, if you're telling me to go and fight this battle and yet I feel like I don't have the power, God, I'm going to believe in your power. I'm going to believe in your promise. Because our God is always faithful in his promise. But let me ask you this. Have you thought about this before? Why did God have Gideon amass an army of 32,000? Why? We literally see he, he takes Gideon through, through this process that is highly, highly important. Why didn't he tell him just to start with 300? Because listen, the process is what tests our faith. The process is what grows our faith. You may be in the middle of the process right now. Don't stop. Continue to push forward believing God for who he says he is. One version of the Bible uses in John 7, 4, I think a very intentional word. It says, 
I will sift them there. When it's talking about how God's taking the army down from 32,000 to 300. This word sift means to separate, to be purified. You know the first one who was sifted? I believe it was Gideon. His desires, his pride had to be sifted before the Lord. And I also think his options had to be removed to where he completely relied on God in this moment. You see, just like Gideon's army, we have to reduce our options instead of recruiting our options. And what I mean by this is Gideon thought he was recruiting an army when God was refining his faith. How is God refining your faith today? I've heard people talk about their jobs and their future and their relationships. Like, I have to keep my options open. The only option you should have in your life is God's option, God's plan, and His will for your life. Is God your plan A, your plan B, your plan C? I'm afraid sometimes we're, we never allow ourselves to get to God's plan A because we're ready to fall back on plan B. God, give us the faith to trust in your plan. God, give us the faith to push forward even when we don't understand. You know, I know that there may be a lot of pressure in this moment. And as humans, we have the tendency to play the odds with our life, right? The best odds we can have. But when Gideon, when Gideon saw the odds he was against, he took it as an opportunity for people to see his unstoppable God. Let me ask you, in your calling in life, do you see the size of your obstacles or do you see the size of your God? You can always look ahead and go, oh, this could happen. That could happen. And let worry and doubt and fear rule your life. Or do you see an almighty God who created you with an incredible plan and an eternal purpose who's saying, guess what? I can do it. Push forward. Push forward. Act in faith. I believe the jar that Gideon held was very important. I think it was important for Gideon. You see, that jar held the potential They put it on top of the torch, and they were taking their torch, and these embers inside were barely staying alive. And when they crushed that jar, the new fresh oxygen that hit it would have sent those embers into a flame. You see, I think this jar represents our heart. It represents our comfort zone. Too many times we fill our jar with this fear, with this doubt, with this worry, with what could happen. But we're holding the potential We have the power of Christ. It's time for us to break the jar, to break our past, to break our worry, and let the fire of God burn with inside of us. Let his passion and let his purpose take control in our life. You see, I believe breaking the jar was an action of faith by the people that revealed the faithfulness of God. God's faithfulness is always there. It doesn't leave us. God will never leave us or forsake us. But how are you acting in faith in your life right now? You see, I think Gideon still had a huge decision to make in this moment. Do I try to do this in my own strength or do I trust in the power of God? I think all throughout our life we're going to be faced with this. Do I try to do this in my own strength Or do I trust the power of God? I think sometimes we even commit in our mind, God, I'm going to follow your calling. God, I'm going to get rid of sin in my life. And we we keep going down the journey of life, but we're going to keep getting hit with this question. Are you going to trust the power of God in your life? Listen, 
Don't try to finish in your flesh what the Lord started in his spirit. Please hear that today. Don't try to finish in your flesh what the Lord started in his spirit. The spirit of God is with us. His strength and his power lives inside of us. As you get discouraged, as obstacles come, as hard things happen, don't try to do it in your power. Rely on the power of God. Just as Gideon and his army shouted, for the Lord and for Gideon, they knew that it was God fighting for them. Gideon told them, hey, in that moment, yell for the Lord and for Gideon. Do you know what they yelled? A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. They knew God was fighting for them. Continue to have faith in your moments of weakness. Continue to have faith in your moments of doubt. Continue to move forward and trust our God for who he says he is. In Hebrews, we find a list of people from the Bible that showed incredible faith. A lot of them are listed off. When we get to uh, verse 32, it says this, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon. Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Let me ask you this is a question I like to ask myself a lot. What sentence would be in there about you? What sentence would be in there about the way you are living your life? I want to be like these people where I have this type of faith and I pursue what the Lord has in my life. You see, as Christians, we're all made to glorify God, to honor Him, to serve Him, to fulfill the Great Commission. And individually, what has the Lord called you to do? How are you doing that through your job, through your relationships, through your family? How are you doing that today? And listen, don't compare your calling. Don't compare your calling to someone else. God is speaking to you individually and personally today.